0: wellnesscoach.com streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Ladies, welcome to this week's episode of Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we are absolutely thrilled to introduce you to someone very, very special. I can only say you are in for a huge treat today. Uh, oh, are we ever? Because today we have
1: um, an incredible celebrity health and wellness guru, JJ Virgin with us. Um, now, let me just take a moment to introduce you to JJ. Um, She is, like I said, a celebrity nutrition and fitness expert. Um, She teaches clients how to lose weight, but more importantly, how to master their mindset so they can lead bigger, better lives. Um, She's the author of four New York Times bestsellers, which is incredible. So they are The Virgin Diet, The Virgin Diet Cookbook, JJ Virgin Sugar Impact Diet, which is going to be really interesting. And we're going to dive into a little bit of that a bit later. Um, as well as the JJ Virgin Sugar Impact Diet Cookbook. Oh, that was was a mouthful. Um, but the thing that I'm really excited about having her on the show today is we're going to talk a little bit more about her latest memoir, which is The Miracle Mindset. But before we get into that, um, let me just also let you know that JJ hosts her own popular uh, podcast as well, called the JJ Virgin Lifestyle Show. Um, she regularly writes for the Huffington Post and other major blogs and magazines. She's a frequent guest on TV and radio and speaks at major events across the globe. Um, so, holy moly, what ha- has hasn't this woman done? <laughs> JJ, welcome to well to Australia and to Wellness Woman Radio.
2: Well, I wish I was in Australia. <laughs> it is a nice yeah, time well. of year, by, uh,
1: <laughs> by association, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, JJ, thanks for being on the show. Um, wow, what have you not done? That might have been an easier, uh,
2: <laughs> an, an easier intro. I haven't jumped out of a plane, and I don't want to. <laughs>
1: I think that you've had enough excitement in your life just recently. Um, So, um, JJ, you are this super high-achieving celebrity health and wellness guru. Um, Everything is, you know, building this massive momentum. You're about to release another book and then your entire life kind of flips upside down. Can you kind of walk us through what happened and what led to the Miracle Mindset?
2: Yes so right before the virgin diet came out like weeks before this was coming out and you know when you get ready to publish a book it's it is a crazy time i invested everything into this book i'm the financial support for my family and i was all in and it's a couple weeks before and i have two boys 15 and 16 i'm a single mom And my 16-year-old was out at dusk crossing the street, and he got hit by a car. And, you know, we'll never know what happened. We just know that this woman got out of her car, gassed, got back in and drove off, and um, left my son. Literally, he was a heap in the street, uh, dead in the street. And he was airlifted to the local hospital. They saved his life. Um, But when we got there, they told us that we had to let him go, that he had a torn aorta, that kills 90% of the people on the scene and his would rupture sometime in the next 24 hours if it wasn't repaired, but that they couldn't repair it there because he had multiple brain bleeds and in order for them to repair it, they would have to do it without a blood thinner and they didn't know that it wasn't something they could do there. So he'd have to be airlifted again and they said, you know, he's never gonna survive another airlift and even if he were to survive another airlift, he's not gonna survive that surgery and even if he were able to survive both of those things, he's going to be so brain damaged, it wouldn't be worth it. And we were standing there, it was me, my ex-husband, and my other son, my 15-year-old son. And we're there next to my son, Grant, who's on a gurney. He's literally got bones sticking through his skin. He's got 13 fractures. He's covered with road rash, glass and gravel. He's got a ventilator, a tube coming out of his brain. And my 15-year-old son, Bryce, looks at this doctor and says, so you know, maybe a 0.25% chance he'd make it. And, and the doctors say, that sounds about right. son. he goes, well, we'll take those odds. Oh, awesome. Yes. <laughs>
1: That's, That's who you want in, was, in the room right there. <laughs> we
2: so this is my 15-year-old. We were just yeah. on a TV show last week, and he was re- recalling the story. And he said, he goes, you know, point, point 0.25 isn't zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, no, not. And, you know, I mean, here's the thing. He was going to die at that hospital. It was 100% that he would die at this hospital. There was the teeniest chance we'd make it the other way. You take those odds. And so that's what we did. We took those odds. We drove to the hospital in the middle of the night, the worst drive ever, you know, two and a half hours, and you don't know if you're going to pick up a corpse. And um, we get to this hospital in LA, this major trauma center, and it was like game on when we walked in there. It was incredible. The doctors were all... The five surgical teams working on him and they said, you know, you don't even need to worry. we got this. I'm like, wow. all right, then I'm not going to worry. Um, he gets through the surgery. The doctor comes out and he goes, all right, his his aorta's all repaired. Everything's fine. He goes, now, I'm just the plumber. I have no idea if he will ever wake up. I'm like, great, you know, um, you, you're so happy one minute and next minute. You're like, oh, my gosh. And he was in a coma for weeks, and it took months to kind of come through that coma. Like, people don't come out of comas like you see in the movies. Um, and, and I've watched the movies, I've always been really enthralled with life after death stories. And then people in comas and the people come out and they look at someone, they go, I love you, and that's not what happens yeah. <laughs> at all. Mm. <laughs> you know, just for anyone listening, if you ever have to go through this. All they told me was it would be ugly, and I thought maybe he'd come out, wake up from the coma, scream, and, you know, something would happen. And no, he came out of the coma and stared off into space for weeks. Didn't make eye contact. It took him months to start really talking. He didn't know who he was. He had to learn everything all over again, how to eat, how to tie shoes, everything. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, So that was the, yeah, that's the, so that's the first part of the story. And where the mindset part came from was, you know, meanwhile, I'm launching this book that was coming out, you know, it's kind of like a baby. You can't just say, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do this. Like it's coming out. I launched the New York times bestseller bedside. So the book's (laughs) coming out (laughs) and people were for, you know, after this, they were going, how the heck did you do that? And at the time, I was on autopilot, right? You're just doing. And after the fact, I was like, well, how did I do that? How did I do that? And so that's what I started to really evaluate was like, how did I do this? How did I make this happen? And that's where the mindset piece came out because you know success leaves clues, and I started to really look at what it had taken for me to get through this. Because if you'd said, "Hey, you're gonna, this is gonna happen, and you're going to save, help save your son's life, launch a New York Times bedside while he's in a coma, and you'll be talking to him, and he'll remember you saying stuff, and he'll, when he's asked whether he wants to live or die, he'll say he wants to live because he hears your voice," I would have said, "Nah, that no way." And uh, but we're stronger than we think. And I'd had all these things put in place, all of these attributes of this miracle mindset. And that's how I was able to do it. And there are things that can be taught. And there are things that can help all of us handle the things that come up in our lives, because that's the one thing I know for sure is stuff's going to come up. It's really how you handle it.
0: And that's oh, the big absolutely. challenge. Yeah, the big challenge is obviously uh, adversity, isn't it? How we, how we encounter and how we face and obviously the skills we have to deal with those adversities because like you said, it's a guarantee in life. Some tough stuff is
2: going to happen oh, yeah, to every yeah. single one of us. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing about the tough stuff. Like, you know, I'll throw it out to you. Tell me one time in your life, everything was going your way. You just had a fantastic day. It was great. And you can look back at the end of that day and go, gosh, I learned so much today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a really good point. As a human being and a woman today, like I'm better because of this, (laughs) You you know, never, never one time can we say this. And so, you know, it really comes down to how you handle adversity. What happens that, you know, being courageous when a scary situation or an uncomfortable situation comes up, being willing to go into it to lean into it, to handle it. And every single time you do that, the next time it seems easier, right? Like my 15-year-old son who's now 19, how do you rattle someone who's walked up to their their brother on a gurney with bones sticking out and, you know, covered in road rash and say, dude, you look really ugly right now, but you can do this. <laughs> 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 I was like, who, who is this kid? You know. But how beautiful
0: oh. is that? Because obviously he's been around your environment for uh, his life and all of those things that you were embodying were somehow very gently rubbing off uh, in and through him as a, as a soul, as an individual. And without you realizing, he'd already been carrying a lot of those attributes for a long time that gave him that capacity to go, hang on, we, we got this, we can do this.
2: Well, that's what's so key, too, is so many of us talk about, oh, I want to be a great parent. And I'm like, you know how you be a great parent? Be a great person.
0: Yeah. Lead by example. Like, if you
2: want your kids to be healthier, you be healthier. <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's how you do these things. Don't think that you can, I I've literally had people when I've been health coaching who smoke and they go, and I said, you want your kids to smoke? No, they're not going to smoke. I go, bet they will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, you I can't will.
1: teach kids anything. I, I really, really strongly believe you can't teach kids anything. It's just, you just got to lead by example. Um, JJ, how did you not fall to pieces?
2: So, and again, I look at this and if someone had said, oh, you're going to go through all this and you know, I was like, what, you know? So <laughs> that's the key thing is it was, it wasn't that I was just kind of going through this going, he's going to be 110%. This, we're This going to be grateful. It, it was scary. It was, as a parent, I always said I could handle anything as long as my kids were healthy. So this was an absolutely terrifying situation. And um, I fortunately had a mentor in business in my early thirties who I I was a personal trainer at the time. I was like in my third graduate school, I kept hopping graduate schools to learn the next thing. I was like, okay, I was in one for exercise science. I'm like, but I want to learn nutrition and I want to go learn aging. you know my mom's like, what are you doing? And I go, <laughs> I can't find one school that's got it all, mom. I'm sorry. But um, I was in Florida at a University of Miami, and I was personal training this woman who was a self-made multimillionaire. And she said to me, She's like, Why are you in school? And I go, oh, because I want to be successful. I want to help more people. And so I figure I just need to keep going to school. And she goes, no, that's not how that works. And I go, it's not? And she goes, no. She goes, that doesn't necessarily correlate. And she goes, but I'm happy to teach you if you want to learn. And I'm like, you know, when a self-made multimillionaire, badass businesswoman offers to teach you, you say yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. yes, thank you. That's awesome. And I actually moved into her house. And here she is. She's going to mentor me on how to have a successful business. And I'm so excited. And you know what she does the first day? The first day, she has me start to get listen to all of her tapes from Nightingale Conant by Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar. And so I'm listening to those. She goes, you manage your environment. You don't read the newspaper. We didn't have the internet back then. You don't read the newspaper. You don't read junk novels. Junk in, junk out. You manage your environment. You keep everything positive. And I am like, okay. And then she had me put these little bracelet, um, little rubber bands on my wrist. And she says, now anytime you say anything negative or limiting, because the only limitations are the limitations in your mind, she I still remember all these things she said. She says, anytime you do that, you grab that that rubber band, you snap it. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. Yeah. It, it works. It definitely works. It works.
2: A couple of days I'm like, I'm not gonna have any skin left on my wrist. <laughs> but um man, it it works. And so she taught me how to wake up every morning and write down three things I was grateful for mm-hmm. and to be in the present, take action and get outside my comfort zone and all these things that I didn't even think about anymore because they became the fabric of my life. It just was who I was. And so people were saying, how did you do that? And I went, I don't know, but it was how I'd been taught to live. And really, if you want to be successful in life and your business and health and anything else, These are just those things that need to be a part of you. So that's what I started to look at was what are all these things like that I do naturally that had become a part of me and I kind of had to deconstruct all of that. And One of the ways I deconstructed it was I started to look at people I admired, kind of like Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich and, and interviewed all these successful people and found out that, wow, the thing they had in common wasn't that they had like some privileged background. The thing they had in common was that they all... Um, had this way of thinking, and they got what they expected, and they expected big things. And I started to see with all these people I admired that one of the biggest common factors was it wasn't that they got hit with the lucky stick, life had been easy, they have been given things. These people had gone through hell. <laughs> you know, They'd yeah. gone through some of the most massive challenging things, and they were better because of it. And they built resilience, and resilience was really the key factor.
1: Oh, totally. And when you have just gone through what you've experienced with your son, this is the time when everything is going to be tested the most. So how did you, like, for example, one of the lessons that you learned was that that managing your environment, how did that apply to that situation?
2: Oh my gosh, it was so huge in this situation because, uh, and, and this is going to sound crazy, I actually had to manage the environment with my own mother, my own, my <laughs> Adopted, and my adopted mother is is like can be such a debbie downer, I swear um, so i'll give you an example she and and I love her, and she does the best that she can do but I just have to say that. It's kind of like the medical disclaimer. Caution, yeah. results might vary. Okay, so, um, you Sorry, know. We all
1: love our mothers. It's okay. I, we love our mothers.
2: And, and, you know, so my mom will sit there and say, oh my gosh, there's a drought, there's a drought, there's a drought, there's a drought. So every time you talk to her every week, she's like, oh gosh, it's so dry, there's a drought. Now it's been raining for a couple of it's So raining, it's raining. I'm like, mom, you know, it's like, it's never like, wow, it's raining. We're getting rid of the drought. That's so great. Or, wow, it's so sunny and beautiful. No, it's always like, what's the bad thing about this? So when this happened, I was like, there is no way that I, I, I can't, she wanted me to call her every day. I'm like, can't do that. Can't do it. You know, cause I knew what it would be. She was so scared and so worried. And I was totally focused on, to get my son to be 110%. That orthopedic surgeons walk in the room and they're looking at me and they're looking at Grant. Grant has a crushed heel. And they're they're, it's got a big gash of skin that won't heal. Now this is like three months in. It's got a big pin sticking out of it. This big crushed heel. And truthfully, I barely paid any attention to his heel because when your your kid's like aorta is going to rupture and they have a major head trauma, I'm thinking big deal, heel schmeal. Like what's that? You know. But then you find out. And a crushed heel is actually a really bad thing. It's a game-changing injury. Like, you'll never really walk again. So they're saying, listen, we're just trying to get him to be able to walk again, right? And I go, no, 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 no. That is not what you're trying to do. I want you to treat this kid like he's Kobe Bryant. If Kobe Bryant were in this bed right now, you would not be trying to get him to walk again. This kid's an athlete. He's going to be an athlete. That's what I need you to do. If You cannot do that, and then you cannot be on the team. They're like... <laughs> Okay. What do uh, what, what you get say of that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but that, I mean, that's how it changes things when you behave that way. You know, I mean, they were like, Oh, okay. You know, she's not going to settle. I'm not settling.
1: Well, this is your son's life. Of course not.
2: Um, JJ, I
1: heard, uh, you mention. um, when I heard you speaking about this previously, that during um, this time you put your own self care at the very top of the list—that was like your highest priority. Whereas I think most women, when faced with adversity or any kind of challenge, um, and especially mothers, mm-hmm. are so good at putting themselves last. So self care goes out the window. So how how did you do that, and how did that help in that situation? It
2: makes me crazy. Um... Because here's the thing, I looked at this, so I'm sitting here looking at this whole situation, day two, and my son's in the ICU, we have to put on gloves, a mask, and a gown every time we go in there, he's got a hole in his brain with a tube coming out of it, right? So I'm high infection risk. And I've got to launch this book. So I'm now doing interviews. The hospital's now given me a room to do interviews out of, and I am thinking, and and I am under major stress. So I and I know what that means when you're under that kind of stress. So I'm now have I'm taking supplements. <laughs> and uh, sorry, to that's talking
1: to us. It happens every episode without fail. <laughs> it's so funny.
2: It's like, I was like, I figured it was your dog. So yeah. so there I am, and. Um, I'm looking at the situation, I think to myself, I've got to get very, very essential. And I love that book, Essentialism. And I'm like, okay, so there's a whole lot of stuff in my life that's either getting delegated, deleted, or automated, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I looked at what do I really have to do in order to save my son's life and make this book go? Because if the book doesn't go, then I'm going to have challenges paying for how to save my son's life. So I have to do both and i realized that unless i took extreme care of myself i wasn't going to be able to pull it off because you can't go in the icu if you're sick you're you know and and there's no way i could function so i just went you know what there is no margin for error here and i just decided that the only way to pull this off was to put my health at the very top of the list and i just put the strategies in place and again it is so hard i'm in health selling selling prevention selling being proactive is such a difficult thing but the reason this worked was i already had those strategies in place so i didn't have to really think about it you know and then i i was running the hospital stairs i was making sure i was getting my sleep i was taking supplements for stress and i just put an sos out to my friends so any time someone was coming to visit they brought me food and i had one of my friends brought me a bunch of stuff for stress and i just was doing everything i could because I knew that that was the only way I could pull this off. And, you know, uh, having coached so many women over the years, I'm always amazed because they'll have this to-do list and they'll never put themselves on it. It's like they feel guilty taking care of themselves, but yet it really is a situation of put the oxygen mask on yourself first. There's no way that you can take care of your family at the level you want to and teach your family how to have the health habits that will, you know, help them have a quality life. If you don't do it first, it just won't happen.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I have a saying that health has a greater purpose. And it is so true in those situations that if you can't take care of yourself, then you're completely useless to everybody. And even just from a really basic baseline, like if you weren't healthy, you could not see him. So you had to put yourself first, but it's such a difficult thing for us to get our head around. Um, JJ, how's your son doing now?
2: My son, um, I asked him a couple weeks ago, I said, honey, let's go back four and a half years and you have the choice to cross the road or not. Knowing everything that's going to go down, what would you do? And he said, i crossed cross the road. Wow. It's because I'm better now because of this. And hey, it's been a tough four and a half years. And during the whole time, he kept going, I don't know why I'm even here. I don't know what my purpose is. And I go, honey, you're, you have a huge purpose. You are going to show people how to come through a brain injury that you can be better than before because there's really not a lot of information out there about it. It's super difficult. And, you know, he was like, yeah, right, sure, mom, you know, he's, you know, and now he's starting to see that and it is really, really exciting to see. And just the fact that he's never been a victim, he's never been angry at the woman that hit him, has been incredible. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, I want to change tunes for for just a minute because I want to try and pull out as much um, wisdom and genius from you as physically possible in the the short amount of time that we have here. Um, JJ, what is the virgin diet? Can we talk about that for a minute?
2: (laughs) Sure. So the virgin diet is all about food intolerance. Now, food intolerance is is a hidden cause of weight gain, but also uh, GI problems, joint pain, autoimmune disease. And I have people, it's, it's really what I did was take the classic elimination diet that's been used for decades. So I always love when people say the American diet's a fad. I'm like, uh, not really. (laughs) This has been used for decades. But what, what I did was I was, I was working with doctors running these food sensitivity panels, food intolerance panels with them in their offices and and coaching clients. And what I noticed was the same foods kept showing up Mm -hmm. over and over and over. And they weren't, the ones that were on the food elimination diet, like the food elimination diets classically are kind of complicated and hard. And I'm like, "Oh, well, this is silly because those foods aren't on this diet. So so I reworked the diet with the foods that I was seeing the most often. And at first I was making everyone do the testing because I thought that's what we need to do. And in between the time they did the test and the test came back, I was putting them on the program and all of a sudden I went, you know, we actually don't even need the test. Actually, the best test is to use yourself as your own personal chemistry lab. And you go through your personal discovery process where you pull out the, the most classic offending foods, not that you're going to be, you know, maybe all of them are offending you, maybe some are, but you pull them out, give your body a chance to cool down, put the fire of inflammation out, and then you re one by one to see which foods work for you and which don't, because truthfully, if a test says... That you don't have an issue with dairy, but every time you eat dairy, you get gassy, bloated, and your skin breaks out. I don't really care what the test says, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. So what? <laughs> you know?
1: so, what other foods would show up? So it was dairy, one of the, you know, obviously dairy was a big one. What else did yeah. you find most commonly?
2: Two that showed up all the time were a dairy and. Um, eggs. Now, this test didn't test for gluten. Gluten is a different type of test. But this one, the top two were dairy and eggs, and then soy and corn and peanuts were the next tier. So what I did at first was I started with gluten, dairy, soy, corn, eggs, peanuts. Mm-hmm. And then, because I didn't, you know, I just didn't really think about sugar and the fact that I didn't realize how much sugar people eat. Because to be honest, I don't eat sugar because I don't have a sweet tooth. So sugar's never been a big thing for me. But then I discovered that people eat a lot of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> it's sure,
1: funny that, right?
2: sugar. <laughs> and so then I decided that what I better do is pull the sugar out too. So I pulled sugar out too, and that's what this thing turned into. Um that's how it became drop seven foods, because that's what the virgin diet is. And then what was interesting is we started getting such crazy results from this. And, you know, when I was doing this in doctor's offices, I was doing it to help joint pain and headaches and skin problems and gas and bloating, GI issues. I wasn't doing it for weight. But people would lose weight so quickly that I was like, well, this should really be like the first phase of any diet program. Because if you are trying to lose weight, and you're still eating foods you're intolerant to your body will hold on to the weight and make you crave the very foods that you hurt that are hurting you, which is so unfair. <laughs> you know? I know. So unfair. It's uh, so counterintuitive, isn't it? Um, yes, totally, totally. And that's, and the problem is that so many of the health foods out there, right, are the yeah. very foods, I mean, it drives me crazy, but they are. They're the foods that are hurting us.
1: Um, Particularly with the big gluten-free movement. uh, So now that everything's gluten-free, so it must be healthy, right? And
2: Oh, my gosh. And so much of it's just crap. It's like it's funny. We have an event in the States uh, called Expo West, and it's the biggest natural foods um, conference expo in the world. And so you go in there it is the biggest pile of junk food ever. It's all this processed crap. I'm like, natural food should be a farm. Like it shouldn't be processed soy treats. That's not natural food. Natural
0: fit. Isn't it incredible too? You turn the packet over and you look at the uh, shelf life on there and you realise that if something could sit in a packet for two years, um, there's obviously a, a real problem yeah. with it being as close <laughs> as close to the source as it could be because you leave leaving an apple out for a week or two and you're starting to get a pretty rancid-looking apple. But, you know, you, you put these pack of foods there and, and people really have a trouble understanding that as soon as it's been highly processed, it's no longer providing that life force, that life source
2: that is nutrition. I had a great mentor early on in my life who, you know, said you want competition for your food, and what he meant by that was like <laughs> if you would have if you put something out and the bugs didn't want it, like margarine. Do you know yeah. they still sell margarine? I'm like, how could they still be selling margarine? Yeah, who the right. buy margarine? Like really, how's it even around anymore?
0: Too many people, obviously, because there's so many options oh, in the God. shelves.
2: Disgusting. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's,
0: uh, I always get shocked when I see a
1: patient's food diary or we're talking about their food and that comes up and I, I'm the same. I forget that, oh, yeah, that still exists. How is that possible? Um, JJ, you talk, a lot about, <laughs> you talk a lot about snacking, and I find this really interesting. Snacking, good or bad, yes or no?
2: I am not a snacking fan. Okay. Um, Can you tell us Why? yes so and it was very interesting actually this all happened in my very early on in my career um i remember st- i was teaching a course called overcoming weight loss resistance all the things that can get in the way of you losing weight cause you to gain weight and i was teaching people yeah you should eat six times a day and someone said why because everything i was teaching it to doctors and everything i talked about i had to have you know the science behind mm-hmm. and so i looked at that and i went. Huh. And I remember at the time I was on Dr. Phil and it was my second season in and it was in his program. And I started to look and I went, well, everyone teaches you to eat six meals a day, but there was actually no science behind it. So then I go, whenever I can't find the science, I go back to, or can't find the research. I go back to just the pathways in the science. So if there's no studies on it, let's look at what's going on. Well, every time you eat your blood sugar goes up. I mean, that's what happens. You eat, blood sugar goes up. If your blood sugar goes up, your insulin goes up to drive your blood sugar back down. And the challenge is that happens fast except insulin doesn't come down fast. And so if you're eating small meals all throughout the day, the theory is it keeps your blood sugar more balanced but really in reality keeps your blood sugar and insulin up which is not preferable at all what you want to do is have really good blood sugar control so you have a very slow rise from a meal because you've gotten enough fat and fiber in that meal to keep things going slow and keep you fuller longer so your insulin stays down you can access stored fat for fuel and so you know when you look at like some of this really interesting research Meal timing really matters. Eating during the circadian rhythm matters. Having a good overnight fast of 12 to 14 hours is important, and and really you should be able to occasionally, you know, skip meals. Think a thousand years ago, we didn't have, we didn't, you know. I don't care what they say, you wouldn't have been grazing all day long, like you yeah. would have, had, like you wouldn't have been. No one had mm. snack packs. <laughs> yeah there's no, no, no muesli bars on hand <laughs> when, did snacking, when did snacking start because snacking started when we when we went through all the craziness and i still think back in the states because we had susan powder yelling stop the insanity and everyone was eating no fat high carb vegetarian based diets and getting fat because so this is right when i started to become a trainer and fat was supposed to be the devil, and, but when you eat low fat, high carbohydrate, you're hungry all the time because you're always driving your blood sugar up, driving your insulin up, driving your blood sugar down, insulin staying up, you can't access stored fat for fuel, so you're hungry again. So if you eat that way, you're hungry every couple of hours, which is awesome if you sell snack packs. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally. Um, JJ, so can you like, give me a quick rundown? What would a day in the life of you look like on a plate?
2: <laughs> I always get asked that one. <laughs> so every morning I get up and I have a shake. Okay. And I, so my, the shake I do now, I have a couple shakes that I, I actually created cause I couldn't find one I liked. And, um, it's concentrated bone broth with added branch chain amino acids. So I do that. I throw in some coconut or almond milk. I throw in some avocado and I throw in some spinach. So that's my morning, and sometimes I'll swirl in a little almond butter. So I live by the protein-fat-fiber trifecta, so I always make sure I have clean protein at each meal, some healthy fat each meal, and low-sugar impact, high-fiber foods. So I have a great, slow, steady blood sugar control throughout the day, and I can tell if I mess up, because if I got up in the morning, and even if I had oatmeal, which I adore oatmeal, but if I had oatmeal in the morning, I would have, I, it would hijack my blood sugar. I'd be a mess all day long. It's like I eat oatmeal two hours later, I'm starving. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> darn it. So that's how I start. Lunch is usually a salad, um, with some like chicken. My favorite thing to do is just grab, like today I went to, um, California pizza kitchen with some buddies. So I had, a uh, salad with some grilled shrimp and grilled salmon on it. So that's kind of my favorite thing is to have a salad for lunch. If I do need any kind of snack during the day, I eat one of my bars because I'm super lazy. Just <laughs> disclosure, I'm like the laziest. My my fiance and I are the same way. We're like, uh, like, can someone just bring us something to eat? We just, I'm not, I'm not a foodie. Like, I just find food to be a bit of a pain and you know, an annoyance factor. So I'm not, I'm not a big foodie person,
1: which is <laughs> so helpful. that's why you created these things um, for your convenience as well. I like that.
2: Yes. Well, I, you know, these were things that I was using and as I was using other people kept kind of stealing them from me. Like my friends would come over and raid my stuff. And so I'm like, okay, fine. So that's why I started making things because people kept taking my stuff. <laughs> so there you are. Um, but then dinner is Dinner is usually, I mean, we're pretty clean here. We do, we have a freezer full of clean grass fed beef, uh, pork, pastured pork, pastured chicken, lamb, and wild fish. That's it. And so every night we pull one of those things out and then we do some either asparagus or broccoli and then we do wild rice or squash. <laughs> and that's it. That's like the simple in a glass of red wine. I mean, it's super predictable. If we're going to break it, um, Right now, I did some. I made some spaghetti squash and I ate some grass fed beef with marinara and onions and peppers and mushrooms so that's like if we're going to get it like go wild
0: <laughs> I love that you added the glass of red wine in there as well hey oh, you, yeah. too. <laughs> you did say success leaves clues and uh, you know you said that you get asked this every time and now you can see why because people are genuinely curious to say okay so if success leaves clues what clues have you got for us and I think you've just highlighted all of the things that uh, we often talk about on this show and that is the things like the the wild court. And the grass fed, and uh, you know, whole proteins, good quality fats, low levels of sugars. Um, fantastic! It's it's really nice to hear the description of your your a day in the life of JJ. <laughs> Thank
2: uh, you. J- yeah, it is one of the biggest questions we all get asked, isn't it? What do you eat? Oh yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> like yeah, be some big like revelation. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty much like how we all kind of <laughs> eat. You get us all together; it's everyone's eating about the same way. So there you go. <laughs>
1: I think everyone is hoping that there is some secret very that you found from Nepal or something that is the secret <laughs> to your vitality. And JJ, when when you look at you, you you want this what this woman's having, right? You are the absolute picture of health and vitality. So, you know, these are the clues and, and that's, you know, a testament to how well you take care of yourself. Um, JJ, thank you so, so much for coming on the show with us today. I know that our listeners would have absolutely loved your story and are going to want to find out more. I cannot recommend your stuff enough, including the movie, You're Stronger Than You Think. Um, That is such a fascinating watch and really seeing um, a a bit more of an insight into what happened with your son as well. Um, JJ, where can our listeners uh, find out more about you?
2: Best thing is just go to my website at jjvirgin.com and then it leads to my my podcast and my social media. I'm most active on Facebook. I do a lot of Facebook Lives, so Same. that's where I'd love to connect that way. I, it's real time, so you can kind of talk back and forth. It's super fun.
0: You realize that doesn't suit us very well in Australia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most of it is always a challenge. <laughs>
2: well, luckily it's all replayed too. But I so like. It's like I, I'm one of those instant gratification there's people there Yay, you know, <laughs> awesome
1: um, ladies thank you so much for listening in today you can find us on Facebook facebook.com forward slash the make sure you're following us on Instagram as well so underscore the wellness women um, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes um, if you think we deserve we know you would have loved this episode um, and until next week be well